1: Welcome, everybody, to a not-so-F1 Nation podcast. This is Spencer. I'm along here with my buddy Caleb. Uh, We have decided to do something a little different. Uh, This last year, I got very big into Formula 1, as you guys saw on my weekend sports podcast. But Caleb is also very big into Formula 1, so what we've opted to do is every weekend after a race, we've opted to kind of just go over the whole race and, do, you know, just have some certain topics and give an American spin to it because we feel like everybody's so polite in uh, F one racing and we really feel like people need to be called out in this sport and called little bitches. So that's that's what we're here to do. But first, Caleb, let's talk about the race man. We got a Ferrari one too. It's about goddamn time if you ask me. And I think
2: so I think so too, honestly man. It's been a while. I mean they I think they've looked good in like preseason testing for the past, like past few years. But so they can just never seem to put it get put it together for like an actual race. I mean I'm not I'm, not I'm not I'm not biased well.
1: or anything, you know. All good. Yeah, of
2: course not. You know, just you own all Ferrari merch. You
1: know, just got my Ferrari hat, my Ferrari shirt. Got the polo on order, <laughs> pre-ordered, but you know, it's all good. Looking like that McDonald's manager, it's all good. I think, I the,
2: think this was like a exciting race too. Like it, it was really exciting near the end, but it was it was you know start of a new season and everything, and then the middle kind of seemed like regular Formula One. There's some, but it the new cars really really like allow, like allow for a wheel to wheel we know i, I
1: love the new cars man i thought like i mean you and i we both watched the race together and we were just sitting there like whoa that was close whoa that was close like they're so fuck close and like i mean you got some i mean i don't think we got any more overtaking to be honest i didn't feel like there was more overtaking but the the threat of an overtake was definitely much more prevalent to me
2: I think, I think you could, uh, like the, I guess if you had two cars, one in front and one behind, the driver in front felt a lot more pressure because the car behind was right on him the entire time. No,
1: it was really good to see. Um, you know, I think one of my most favorite things from the weekend is finally seeing the American fucking Haas team actually do something for once. I think that was good. Yeah, I think
2: that, I think that's great. I mean, honestly, it's. It, for me it didn't really it never really felt like an American team, especially after they got they got the oral Kelly like
1: logo yeah it, it's just a team based in the United States, like how Red Bull is really Austrian but it's based in Milton Keynes, yeah, yeah,
2: but
1: I mean but the the big thing that was my su- surprise is just to let you guys know, Caleb and I had a very busy Sunday and watched the we watched the race. we literally stayed off our phones all Sunday so we could watch the race together. Unadultered, like we texted people we were like hey don't text us the fucking results we need to know and i gotta say man i did not see that red bull fuck up like that was a huge fuck up no like, that was massive like even if you even if you don't win that race you're still in the fight you know it becomes a lot closer yeah. mercedes scores a lot point a lot less points and now i feel like red bull has to catch up to ferrari and mercedes instead of being in the mix with ferrari and then have mercedes trying to catch up to those two it was, It's a pretty big fuck-up.
2: I've heard some debate about what the problem actually was. So Red Bull put out that it was a fuel pump, but the F1, like the FIA or F1 itself, said it was not a fuel pump. No, It it, was an in-house problem at Red Bull.
1: Yeah, so that's that's another thing, is I have a technician, for those of you who don't know, I'm in the car business. I work on... I'm, I'm in the car business. I won't say exactly what I do, but I'm in the business. And I have... Our shop foreman in our shop, he worked for Speed Source, which used to be Mazda's racing team in IMSA. So he is around professional cars, and he was a mechanic at the time. This is his professional opinion. I got to have him on here one day, because I think a lot of people would enjoy it. But he was like, if you look at Perez's tires and what happens to Max, it wasn't a fuel pump issue. It was an engine lockup, which means it was either a cooling or an oil issue. So... In his mind, he thinks with the new regulations in that Honda power unit, while it's still the same reliable power unit, but that was designed for the previous car. So the fitment yeah. he believes it's very well a overheating which you issue, which we saw in the race was mentioned to on on the onboard with Nico Holkenberg from Aston Martin saying, Hey, Nico, you can't pit now, the car's too hot. You need to cool the car down before yep. you pit. Yep. So that that's kind of and when you really look at it and look at all the details, a fuel pump, you know, it, it could cause you to lose power and I guess Checo, I, I initially believed it because while Checo was losing, you know, and had Hamilton behind him, I'm losing power, I'm losing power, I'm losing power. Okay. Yeah. And then when he gets that wheel lock up on the back end, it's not as if the car died or anything like that. The the rear tires locked up if you look at that shot on the race itself. So I think Red Bull seriously has an overheating issue going on. Right now.
2: I think that could be harder to fix. Because well, I don't know. See, so the original thing the oil pumps and or the fuel pumps in F one are standard parts. So yeah. but they're mounted and designed with the engine by the team. So it could have been
1: a twofold issue, you, issue. Think? you think? What? I think it could have been a twofold issue. I I I I wholeheartedly agree that I mean, I just don't think it if it was a fuel pump issue, I think that's a lot easier to fix than a cooling issue. I mean, we saw we know? saw the gas man's car fucking catch on fire, and he yeah, just I think, lose I don't power. Even know
2: if that was the same thing? To be honest,
1: no, I don't think it was earlier because if you if you listen to some of the onboards from the practicing, Yuki is in the garage saying, "I smell oil burning." So I think yeah. I think it could be a separate. And fuck, it very well could be related to each other, but yeah. I don't know. That, well, the, that... Thing,
2: the thing that uh, Pierre's was was it was an electrical failure of some some kind.
1: You think because, it
2: was because uh, his de- his display went out.
1: So did, I thought Checo's did as well.
2: Out. I I don't know. I didn't. I haven't looked back at the uh, at the Checo.
1: I just oh. feel bad for the Gas, man because you and I both love Gazley. Yeah, I
2: think Gazley's done a lot, man. I yeah, feel, I feel bad for him. I feel like he gets. He gets shafted.
1: He gets fucked over a lot. Yeah. It it wouldn't honestly. surprise me if they bump him up to Red Bull next year, but I don't know if they uh, will because I feel like he might have burnt those bridges. I think, for me, the best I think thing he might have. Yeah, the best thing for me is if Pierre was able to go to Alpine. I think that would be a really good f- yeah. fit. It's a French team with one French driver already in Esteban, and then you bring in another. I mean, it really bodes well for their kind of. What what they want to be. Plus,
2: I think I don't think he'll get the Red Bull drive just because Checo is such a like reliable teammate. Yeah,
1: for che- Max. Checo Checo Max is, is the one. Checo is his version of Valtteri. That's who he is.
2: Yeah, we all know Max is the one that they want to win championships, multiple yeah. championships. Checo's just there to get him along, to defend him, to give him a toe, to switch cars if they need to if they need to. Yeah. You know, it's, he's. He's the, like, workhorse of the team.
1: He's been Mark Webber.
2: Yeah, he has. All
1: right, so one of our topics, which we're going to do every weekend, is we'll move into the next one after those points. I mean, we're what we've decided to do is do a top 10 power ranking. So we're going to go through our top 10 drivers of the weekend who outperformed their car. And you don't even have to get into the points. And sh- I mean, I have people on this list that didn't even finish the race. So that that tells you a little bit. It's we're going to do a scale of our 10 to 1 and if you're in the first place you get 10 points. It's like the old F1 scoring. So if you get first 10 points and then we're going to keep a tally over this over the season and see who grades out as our best driver over the over the year, and you guys aren't going to agree on this. And you know what I say to that? Uh, fuck you! In America, we love lists. We love lists and rankings because it starts beef, and that's what we want to do. We want to start beef. We want, we want, we a want a controversy. Ma- yes, and we want uh, we want an Americanized sports. Like I, I don't get me wrong, I love listening to F One Nation, and um, I love Beyond the Grid. I really do, and I love the. Uh, do you ever listen to the Scuderia F One podcast? It's not. i have
2: really. not. I'm not a big ferrari guy so yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to the English Well it's propaganda. it's it's
1: not about Ferrari it's actually a um two guys based out of Vancouver Canada uh, and um oh, really? yeah they do, they do a really good job but it's more on the technical and like the side stories but there's no like fuck you dude you suck like get the fuck out like how we do Baker yeah. Mayfield and I want that in Formula 1 cuz I think that's really what the sport is missing from the American audience they need controversy
2: they I, need drama. That's why Drive to Survive has done so well because exactly. it's injected drama into this European, you know, dilettante, everyone's being cordial to each other, you know?
1: Yeah, and you know what I say to that? Fuck you. <laughs> We're taking over now. All right, so, Caleb, start us off. Who is your 10th driver? So, who do you think deserved to be in your top 10? I think you're. Nick Schumacher
2: is my number 10.
1: So, you're going to have. He put
2: in a solid performance, solid performance. I mean, he couldn't, you know, he he was doing what he could. He got screwed over at the beginning of the race, took some damage through. Was just just outside of the point, 11th place. I think he really, I think he outperformed what he did last year for sure. And
1: oh, I, I don't know if he
2: outperformed the car, but I know he absolutely did everything he could. And if he hadn't taken that damage, I think he would have been higher than eleven.
1: Yeah, so... For me, I feel like that's exactly where Haas' car is. Like, in that 8th to 12th range is where that car can consistently end, in my opinion. That's where I really think that car is going to set. So, I I don't have Mick at my number 10. I think my number 10 is going to shock the fuck out of you, dude. You ready? Who is he? I have Alexander Albon coming in 10th. Really? Yes. I... I think the Williams car is like a fucking poor man's Mercedes because they do the no side pod things because of their centerline cooling. But I just don't think that car is up to snuff. And, I mean, if you if you look at it, Albon was in a – had the porpoising. He had a very good qualifying. He finished ahead. And, you know, and that's from some DNFs. But I just think Albon drove the piss out of that car. I think, honestly, looking at
2: You're it – You think 14th is and- – I mean, with three DNFs is out driving that car, and two front runners, well above him. So if you add those three back, that's 17.
1: Yeah, all I'm saying is that car should be fucking last. It it for me, it's it's Williams, as of right now, Aston Martin, and then McLaren. So I think I
2: wouldn't rank them that way. I think McLaren's at the bottom, honestly.
1: I mean, they they fucking beat out the Strollmeister, so King Lance. But that, that, that's what I would say. I th- I think just Albon, for his first weekend back, all things considered, d- had a very good qualifying, made it into Q2, and I think he was just consistent over the weekend. Do I think it was his best performance? God, no. Do I think there are probably people who put in – I mean, obviously, I think there are people who put in a better drive. That's why I have him at the 10th. I was debating between him and Mick, but I clearly, I truthfully believe Mick has the much better car this season – than Williams does. And I just think that Albon was just too close to that to yeah. really... Okay, that's a fair pick. Yeah, that's that's my reasoning behind that. I think he... Mick was in the consideration.
2: Yeah, I mean... I, I, it... There may be some personal bias. I don't really like uh, Alex Albon. Okay, uh, that's fair. That's but... why it's my list and not anybody else's. Yeah. All
1: right, who's who you got at number nine?
2: I got Esteban Ocon. But I might have to move him. I might... I may have to rethink this list because he's only nine. But I think he drove he outdrove the fuck out of his car.
1: Yeah. Uh Caleb, I'm actually gonna agree with you on that. I had that spawn at nine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, Ocon worked his ass off, put in the miles. I mean he, he outdid his teammate who's a
0: Four
1: two-time time world champion. champion, yeah. I mean, oh,
2: no, no, Vettel's no, the fourth time. I apologize. Two times, yeah.
1: Yeah, he he he's he's the back-to-back champ. So, like, I, I mean, yeah. I I think he I think that's what really made him make him get on the list is that he outperformed Alonso. I think that was yeah. my big thing. Alonso sat in ninth, which isn't a bad race for that car, which is where we think that car is. We think it's a yeah a top on its best day, a top six finisher. But I yeah. just think Esteban. With, I mean, with the what he had in the middle, and the fact that he took over Fernando. I mean, obviously it was a team order, but they knew he was the fastest on the weekend. And I just think this was just his weekend to be on. I, I think Espin can either be really on or really off. I, I've noticed I think he's that.
2: very, very bipolar like that too. He's either yeah. dead last or you know, win a race.
1: I'll give him the respect this weekend, so he'll he'll earn uh, he'll earn two points for me. Uh, Caleb, who do you have sliding in at your number eight spot?
2: Alfa both Botas. Okay. I don't think that Alfa Romeo should be anywhere near six. I think it's top of the mission, It Should be down there fighting with Alpine and Haas. It's I think it's obviously better than uh, Aston Martin, Williams, or McLaren.
1: Oh, yeah, there's definitely better. Anything but with a Honda, it, or not a Honda, but with a Ferrari power unit this year just by, compared yeah, to the but Mercedes. I still think it,
2: it's, like, it's still just barely above that level because it's, it's a feeder team, so it's not going to have the best, you know, the best budget or the best, you know, uh, resources or the best people, but it, he, he outperformed like crazy in that car.
1: No, and for me, I feel like he, that's why they brought him in because they needed somebody with that high-level, Team experience to really push the car and know how to fine tune things. Because I, if it was me and Antonio Giovinazzi is in there with Xiao, our Mick is in there yeah. with Xiao, which was a rumor this year that he would be leaving and go to Alfa Romeo because that is a feeder team for Ferrari. That's Ferrari. Their deal was with the power units they get to put one of their drivers in it, and that was a you know that's how Giovinazzi ended yep. up in that seat. So I think they really made the smart play this season, bringing in Valtteri to do so. And I think just with his hot – bringing in that experience of, hey, this is how Mercedes fixes their problems. This is how we go over things. This is the culture that was set. I think it was very good for Alfa Romeo to get that. And, I mean, they had two guys scoring the points, so I can't –
2: You had to have a a world – like a driver that's been in a world-class car to know how to make a world-class car.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You need. They needed a developmental driver, and that's exactly what Valtteri's is doing. Because we all thought they were going to be shit. I mean, if you look yeah. at all their problems with, um, it's not post preseason testing. What is it called? What do they call it? Something. Oh, fuck, I can't remember what they call it. But anyways, it's it's the preseason testing before the preseason testing. So, I uh, think I think with all all the pr- shakedown, it was a shakedown. Sorry, that's what they called yeah. it. Which is bullshit. Yeah. It's preseason testing. Come on, I think that Valtteri is really going to help that team. Maybe you know, obviously it's not going to be third in the championship. We we all know that. That's going to be either it's going to be decided by Mercedes, Red Bull, or Ferrari. But still, I think um, I think that's a pretty uh, pretty good uh, pretty good take. I have Yuki coming in at number eight. I think Yuki did exactly what he was. I think Yuki did exactly what okay. he's supposed to do. Took took advantage of his okay. openings. I, you know, it's kind of what I expect out of Yuki. I, it wasn't a surprising job for me from Yuki, but uh, you know, with his ex, with his issues last year, I think he. It, to me, it looks like he cleaned up a lot of his rookie mistakes. See, the
2: I don't know. I I think that's where I expect Yuki to be about lower into the point, You know, along with Pierre. Pierre will probably be a bit higher as the season shakes out. I mean, Pierre but,
1: scored over more than 70% of the team's points last year. Come on.
2: Yeah, but I don't expect much more. I think Yuki did exactly where the car is, you know what I mean? He yeah. He didn't get into crashes. He didn't spin it like he used to, you know? So he's he's become, like, a true F1 driver to me. Consistent, does what he's supposed to. Damn, Doesn't damn. He, he sort of reminds me of Hulkenberg. Uh, Doesn't do, like, more than he's supposed to or less than he's supposed to. He's right, like, right at where it's, the car's, like, the car's potential.
1: Okay, who do you have at number seven? At number seven, I have Zhao. Okay. I'm going to agree with you on I that think, one.
2: I think that's, it's a very, very impressive to score points in your debut race, no matter what team you're in.
1: Yeah. I mean, they, he... Would it not have been for the DNFs, let's be honest, Zhao's not scoring. We all know that. But the no. fact that he was damn near it yeah, and was going to end up in front of Mick, who has been in for a year and has been touted as probably one of the greatest prospects. It's probably yeah. since Charles, I would imagine, is touted as one of the greatest probably. prospects since probably. Charles. I mean, I think that's exactly... I have him at the same thing. I think for the pressure he was feeling this weekend, his first race, driving a Formula One car, I, do do I think he has a little bit of an advantage with the 18-inch tires? Yeah, he looked a little bit more comfortable in the car to me than a lot of other people did, but I think he just took full advantage of his opportunities, and I think he truly... The car should be in 10th or 11th. It should be fighting with Haas is what I feel like that car should be doing, and I think he did. it. Yeah. He did exactly what a Formula One vet should do, but he's a rookie, so that's why I put him at my seventh spot.
2: I agree, I agree.
1: Alrighty, who do you have at number six?
2: At number six, I have Lewis Hamilton.
1: Hammer time?
2: I have Lewis Hamilton because, sure, the Mercedes isn't, you know, the, uh, the like the, I guess, undisputed king of the track anymore. It's it's right where it's supposed to be, Close enough to Ferrari and Red Bull, but miles ahead of everyone else.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, we, we all know who's fighting for the championship right now. It's Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. If Red Bull can...
2: Because of Hamilton, I think Hamilton and Russell both keeping their nose clean following the plan, which I guess is, you know, expected of them, but Hamilton has been known to go, you know what, no, like to give, like, pushback. He's like, you know, we're not coming in, we're not coming in, or whatever. He he stuck to the play, and he did what he was supposed to, he kept his nose clean, didn't get, you know, out of sorts. He uh he was able to capitalize on the opportunities he was given, and as was Russell. And that's that's why I think Hamilton, more than Russell, because Hamilton, to me, is uh, should not have gotten that podium. He just was in the right spot at the right time. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag blessed, always. Hashtag blessed.
1: So I think I think my number six is really going to shock you, and you know I'm a fucking fan of his, but I think it's going to shock you. You ready? Yep. I put Carlos signs six. Really that yep. low? Uh, what really got me there is at the tail end for Carlos. I love Carlos, and I just think he had a very off weekend because I think if Checo. Didn't have those issues. I think Checo might have squeezed out a podium f- from Carlos. Let's say those Red Bulls don't fall out. I think it's very possible that Checo squeezes out that third spot.
2: See, I I don't know. See if because I guess we will never know. I think Carlos did exactly what what he was expected of him. I think he defended well. I think he. I don't think he ever had too much pressure on him. I think he was very aware that, uh, what is it? That, uh, um, Perez was on his ass the entire race. And I think he, Perez never really had too many opportunities to pass because Carlos was sitting comfortable in that third spot.
1: Yeah, but uh, if Checo doesn't have those power loss issues at the beginning of that restart, I think we have a, I think we're talking about a very different race, truthfully.
2: Could be, could be, but I, I don't know. I I don't I don't think uh, going off of what could have happened, you know, is I guess fair to the drivers.
1: I guess so, but fuck and, being fair.
2: True enough, true
1: enough.
2: <laughs> That's why it's your list and not mine.
1: Yeah, who do you have at number five? I have Sergio. You know what? I just realized really I don't sick. even have Sergio in my fucking top ten. Damn.
2: Beautifully defending against Hamilton. And putting pressure on Carlos, he put a, he put some. He didn't, you know, just sit back. But I feel like you know Carlos was comfortable, so I, did, I didn't think that was a uh, too big of a deal. I think he did what exactly what it was supposed to, keeping you know Hamilton at bay for a while. I think he did a beautiful. I, did, I think he did what he's able to in that car. You know, I don't think he. I think he did exactly what uh, a good F1 driver, a good top tier F1 driver should fight for podiums when you get opportunities taken.
1: At my number five spot, I have K-Mag, my guy, Kevin Magnuson. K-Mag
2: did good. K-Mag did good.
1: I, I thought it was very, very impressive for me how he was on a fucking Mercedes ass quite a bit. Um, yeah,
2: that is impressive, especially after the season they had last year.
1: Yeah, I think Kevin came in, you know, Kevin was supposed to race a 12-hour uh, I forget what race, but he was supposed to race an imsa on Sunday, and yet he's in Bahrain racing a Formula One car, chucked into a car that he had no development in and fucking drove the piss out of it. I mean, literally drove the piss out of it from Saturday yep. to fucking Sunday. He drove the piss out of it if yep. I-, I could I could easily make the argument that he should be higher on my list. i ease I think I could easily. My list is a little bit biased as it goes up here, but I think Kevin Magnuson could easily, easily go higher up on this list if I really said. Funny you should mention
2: Kevin Magnuson is fourth on my list. Oh. so I'm just gonna transition right into my spiel. Hoss uh-huh. last year, absolute dog shit, terrible, utterly terrible, because they didn't develop a car. They basically kept their 2020 car
1: and just that, made it red.
2: This is the piece of shit you're racing. Kevin Magnussen came in with almost no—didn't test the car, barely, got, barely barely tested the car. He did get extra time, but he didn't do two test sessions.
1: I think what impresses me about Haas the most so far is that they were the fewest laps ran at testing.
2: Yep, I, I think so too. Being able to address their problems in such an efficient manner with so few laps.
1: So to me, this opens up the statement was that actually— um, what is Nikita's dad's name?
2: Mazepin? Dimitri?
1: Yeah. is it Was it really Dimitri that caused a lot of the misfunction in that team last year? And Nikita being a pay-to, pay-to-drive driver? I mean, mo- Haas is not... Most of its employees, I would say, are American-based, truthfully. Um, and I feel like... I feel like most Americans hate pay-to-win drivers, pay-to-drive drivers. I think, yep. and I think most of the F1 grid does too, but there are a few pay-to, pay-to-drive to drivers that are fucking good as shit at what they do, you know?
2: Um, uh, I can't, I honestly can't think of any. Most of the ones that I can think of are mediocre. I mean, uh, no, I mean, Lando Norris was brought on to McLaren as a pay-to-drive driver.
1: Yeah, and he's fucking talented he, as shit. He's fucking talented as shit. I will admit,
2: but you gotta also look at Lance Stroll, Nikita Mazepin, um, Nicholas Latifi. Yeah.
1: You don't now, disrespect. I David admit they Latifi. don't have top
2: tier cars, but
1: I wish my daddy would buy me a Ferrari. The one team
2: that'd be, that'd you should be nice. able to outperform your your car.
1: Yeah.
2: And mm-hmm. Lance Stroll doesn't do it. Nikita Mazepin sure didn't do it.
0: He underperformed he barely his fucking beat his own car.
2: Teammate. Yeah, he probably cost them. Like Dimitri had to pay extra to develop the 2022 car and to fix all the shit that, uh, Mazepin did to the, the 2021 car.
1: I mean, he did buy. And Nicholas some, uh, Latifi
2: is yeah. mediocre at best to me. Yeah,
1: he's a he's a C minus driver, maybe D plus. Yeah, yeah. So, my number For, four slot. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
2: That I was I was just gonna finish up on Peter. I was gonna finish up on Magnussen. Plus, when you're, I guess, thrown into a car that you had no hand in developing, things can get very tense very quickly. I mean,
1: you you see what happened to Danny Rick last season. I mean, he, oh yeah. I mean, he is not the, – the McLaren car is not meant for his driving style. And I sure as hell don't think Haas was developing this car. Oh, maybe Nikita's out this season and we'll have to bring Kevin back. Let's suit yeah. this car to Kevin's driving style or his setup. No. They weren't planning that, and he—I mean—he jumped in the car immediately and outperformed the shit out of it. Like yep. if if he was in the points, we'd still be impressed with him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if he was
2: if he was ninth, I'd probably still have him at four yeah. or five. Yeah,
1: I mean he he would have finished seventh if not for um, Perez and Max falling out. But still, it, it was it was an impressive drive to me, and he he's yeah. well deserving of that drive. My number four slot is the reigning world champion, Max Verstappen. Really? Yeah. I think uh, for me, it was just chasing down Charles. Charles, by far, the Ferrari was the better car this weekend. I don't think anybody is hiding that fact. I think we all know it to be true that as of right now, Ferrari had the current number one car on the grid, and that track suited them very well. But the fact that Max was putting on the pressure, did he bitch a lot during the race? Hell yeah but when you come to find out it's like oh shit like max was like low key kind of right. like fuck but i think no
2: I, I i disagree with max on that i i i think i think he burned out his tires on that i think he absolutely shredded his tires trying to put all those runs on charles in and charles knew what he was doing he knew he, he let him have it in the turn one on there every time yeah he did say it in the well, post race
1: conference he? but still i think uh, i think max did I think what impresses me most, Max did everything he could to win that race. And I think he just, obviously with the car failure, the DNF, I think uh, for me, just his drive and his willingness to fucking send it all impressed the shit out of me. All
2: right, all right. For my number three, I have Carlos. I have Carlos Sainz. I think Carlos put in a hell of a performance defending against one of the most consistent drivers on the on the track, Sergio Perez, the king of tire wear management. So being able and for being able to run on soft after everybody else is still get you know decent lap times and get up on people and you know. I mean, he put in the fastest out, lap a on, on a
1: fucking on set of mediums. That's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, that's that's hard to do. I think I think Carlos uh, I think Carlos uh, did he did an excellent job making sure his teammate was able to focus entirely on uh, his battle with Max. And then I think at the end of the race, he got he got rewarded for his performance. He got a smooth sailing into a second place.
1: At number, number three, I have Sir Lewis Hamilton himself. I think... Wow. Uh, just for me, like what he did on the hard tires and being where he was at the end, I mean, that... The hard tires was completely the wrong call for that track. Uh, But him for me, what was most impressive is Lewis is normally like, what the fuck are we doing here, guys? We guys need to change up. We need a pit, da 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 Like, you you know how Lewis is. Lewis, Lewis sees the race unfold in the cockpit for me. And I think that's what most impresses me about Lewis to begin with is just how he can see the entire race from the cockpit and understanding and everything. So, Lewis, to me, with with the strategy he was given, did the best he could, and he, hashtag bless got third place. I mean, that was, he, Lewis should not have gotten that podium.
2: No. No. By no it, stretch of the imagination. By no
1: stretch of the imagination. But the fact that he was there at the end to take that opportunity is what, for me, bumps him up to that third spot.
2: I will say, I think Lewis, I think that, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I think Lewis was much, like, calmer than he was previously. And if he had been, if he'd been fighting for a championship, I think he understands his team's position a little bit better. He understands we got to work on some things, so there's no reason to get too pissed off. We're going to be sitting fifth and sixth for a little bit. But once we get these problems solved, we'll be right back on it. And that's when he's going to, you know, turn into the Hamilton we know of, hey, what the fuck's going on? Why Why are we fucking shit up? You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Who do you have at number 2? At number 2, I have Max.
2: Oh. Well, I did talk well, I did talk shit about him, and I don't personally like him. I think the willingness to send it down the first corner and actually fight for it didn't warm me up to him, but it gave me a bit more respect for him.
1: I mean, that's cuz what...
2: I think to me, I think he has something to prove to be honest. He does.
1: And I, he knows I it I think he knows it.
2: I know if that was me I'd, you know, gotten a world championship like, like Max got a world championship, I'd be saying, What the fuck? I don't like you can can you honestly say you think you think he feels like he deserves it.
1: Does he I sleep well so. at night thinking this is my championship or is it fuck I got lucky at that last race?
2: Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think he goes to sleep like every night thinking, ah, oh, I got I got handled the championship on a platter And I think he stays awake thinking about that. So that makes is That motivates him to say, "No, I am the best driver on this grid currently, and I'm going to prove it. Even if I don't have the best car, I'm going to send it down the pit straight, and you know." He's I the, guess, he's pray the, and he's then the type the of
1: guy right now who would win races in a car that should be nowhere near a race win.
2: Because he just got that, such a big chip on his shoulder. Yeah,
1: he's 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 developed almost like. He he. For me, he's like slowly evolving from child prodigy and being, oh, you're the next world champion, you're the next world champion, to I'm a championship, I'm a champion now, but it's not the way I felt like I should have been the champion. So he's got this, he's almost got this dog in him now that I yeah. feel like Louis – Lewis has had that dog for most of his career, just because Lewis is a black driver. He's one. I think he's yep. literally the only black driver in Formula One history, uh, to my knowledge. And the even, only
2: one that's driven in a race. Yeah. There was one that tested an F1 car, and that is it.
1: Yeah. And even Lewis has that dog in him because everybody still says Michael's better. Michael's better. No matter how many fucking records Lewis breaks. He's got that dog in him and the I I fucking by the time I retire there needs to be no questions asked that I'm the greatest driver of all time. Yeah. And I I fucking think he is. Like don't get me wrong, like I I would personally agree. Yeah, I don't think Lewis is a fan and I feel like a lot of people are like oh you're just that's just your generation. He's your generation's great. He's the Tom Brady back when I was young, we had Joe Montana and da da da. da. And it becomes that same argument, but Lewis is literally Oh, he's in a Mercedes. I don't give a flying fuck. If you don't think Nico Rosberg was putting pressure on him every fucking year at Mercedes, you need to hop off. I mean, Lewis, Lewis is by far the greatest Formula 1 driver of all time. I agree. Um, Who's your number two? Number two, I have Valtteri, my guy. Oh. I think Valtteri drove the living shit out of that Alfa Romeo. And his fucking sixth qualifying and fucking... Yeah, you know, everybody thought, like, I was going to be in, like, the 10th place, you know. Everybody thought I was going to do well because I can set a fast lap, and then it's just like, surprise, motherfuckers, I'm here. Like, I mean, there is so much shit going Valtteri's way. If you if you read up on everybody who's talking Formula 1 and doing that type of thing, oh, Valtteri will do good. I mean, he'll make it, he'll do all right, he'll score some points, but they were almost treating him kind of like how Kimmy was here a couple years ago when he joined Alfa Romeo. You know, and v- Valtteri's like, I- yo, bro, I'm not at the tail end of my fucking career. I'm here to win races, dog. Like, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to drive the piss out of this car. And maybe I kind of want yeah. Valtteri to win a race this year, low-key, just to prove that, you know, what the fuck is up, Mercedes, was good. But I, I think he I think he well outperformed everybody's expectations of what he should have done in that car. And, yes, Valtteri would have been ninth if everybody else had finished, but I think he was still drove the piss out of that car even if it was in ninth. It's kind of the same way as for me with Kevin Magnuson. I think what Valtteri has brought to Alfa Romeo and the problems that we saw early on from Alfa Romeo, I mean, everybody had their hands in their face going, "Ah, eh, here we go again. And then Valtteri's just like, no, man, this is not This is not the championship, you know, race-winning mindset and the culture that needs to be set here. And I think he has yeah. really flipped that team for the better, especially with his – I think co- he yeah. I, I think what really helps it, is he's not a prima donna. He is a racer and just loves to be on the track, and he is just calm, cool, and I guess that's a little bit of, you know, he he's Finnish, correct? He is Finnish. Yeah, it's just that calm, cool, collected, almost like feng shui mountain man mentality <laughs> that the Finnish people have. I, I think I, I know who your number one is, and I think we're going to be on the same page on that.
2: Yeah, it, it's Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, I
1: think we can both agree on that.
2: Yeah, Charles, Charles absolutely decimated. He he was the favorite coming in, I think, but he doesn't
1: have a great track record. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, usually when he gets on pole, he fucks up. Yeah, somehow, somehow. Oh, fuck my gearbox. Oh, fuck. Uh, Azerbaijan, let me just fucking blow my lead, you know? <laughs> I I, th- I think I- I'm in the same boat. I don't think you just... I think... He by far has the best car on the grid. We agree with that, but yeah. a lesser man would have put a foot wrong and fucked up, and I think he, he was tactical about it, especially with Max diving in at the beginning of turn one, and like, yeah, I knew he was going to get in the DRS zone, and I needed to be in, you know, if if he caught me in the chicanes, I don't think I was going to be able to pass him, and then getting in off of that DSR, or D, DSR, DRS. I, I think he played it right. He played it exactly think- right. No matter I mean,
2: no matter how I guess uh, illegitimate we think Max's uh, title may be, I think he's still he still is the defending world champion. He raced Lewis Hamilton, a seven time world champion, to the break last season. So he's a good driver. And I think Charles being able to compo- like keep his composure and race how he knows he's supposed to race and not uh, I guess, crack under that kind of
1: uh, pressure like you normally would. It, it feels like, like an electric driver would. Yeah, and I, I think to me it feels like just speaking with, not speaking with Charles, but reading and watching his interviews, I think Charles knows this is a different year than he's ever had the chance before. Like, yes, the Ferrari in 2019 had opportunities to win races, and he won races. There's no denying that. But I think this yeah. year he feels as like this car is not just to win a couple of races, like this car is designed to make a championship run. And I think he I think he had to I mean he pretty much had to just outplay the world champion. I mean, even even if some people put an asterisk by Max's champion, I don't. I think Max just took advantage and got lucky, you know, but that's still not an asterisk to me because he still was a worthy driver to me of that championship. So I really don't put an asterisk on that season as most people do. He's still considered probably the second best driver on that grid. I think most people would still pick Lewis and then Max is yep. second. I don't even think Charles is the th- Some people would consider Charles the third best. I think some people would argue that Maybe Seb is in front of him. Maybe you know there, there are arguments to be made that there may be other drivers in front of him. And especially with Charles last year, finishing behind Carlos, I think it just drives him, not that he wants to put Carlos in the dirt or anything, to still prove that, hey, Ferrari's my fucking team. You came up as a Red Bull driver and has been around different teams. I've been a Ferrari lifer my whole career. Even when he was at yeah. Sauber, we all knew he was the prodigal son and was going to Ferrari. Yeah. And I, I, think, I, think, I think that's what really impressed me about him is he's like, he's like, oh, this is this is my moment. I need to take advantage of it.
2: I think uh, Charles really, uh, really wanted this. I think he needed it to prove something to himself and to his, I guess, detractors, if there are, if there are any. I haven't heard many people say too many, uh, not nice things about. I think
1: think most people would think Charles is a championship-worthy driver. I think think,
2: uh, this, to Charles, was like, I guess, proof that he is good. He is worthy of it. Because he is worthy of a, a title shot. It's not just him, I guess, mucking about for a bit and then leaving. Yeah.
1: I mean, he ended up with the fastest lap also as well in the race after, you know, Checo pretty much got fucked. But I think I think it's gonna be a very interesting season. I could see I could honestly see Ferrari over the next few years become a Hamilton versus Rossberg. Not not that they I don't I don't think
2: without the animosity maybe?
1: I think so. I, you know, I could be wrong because I guess when you're fighting for a world title, there's a lot fucking going on, but I think both of those drivers know this car has a shot to yeah. win a double title, win a drivers and the championship. You and I are going to have to decide who the fuck is the drivers. And I, and I, hope, that, I hope that the team doesn't prioritize Charles because I think if the team was to prioritize anybody, it probably would be Charles. He's a Ferrari driver academy. He's been with the team for four years. He's going on his fourth season in Ferrari, correct? 2019, uh, 2020, 2021, and 2022. So his yeah, fourth fourth so, year yeah. in Ferrari, his fifth year driving. But Carlos, I think, came in last year and proved to a lot of people like, hey, I'm just as fucking good as the rest of these guys. I cannot drive the shit out of this car. And I think, I think what's really good for probably Carlos is Carlos has been in so many different cars. He's very good for the development of that car. And I think that's what uh, Mattia saw that... Carlos isn't just a good driver on race day, he's a great developmental driver. I mean, he drove for Red Bull, so he knows what that team's like. He's drove for Renault, he's drove for McLaren, and now he's driving for Ferrari. I think he I think that's really what um you know, they they saw in Carlos is not just, hey, we're getting a good Sunday driver, we're getting a good driver for the season and in the off-season. He loves to work with the engineers, discuss the car, why is the design this way, I think uh, I think he gets a lot of that too from his dad as well, and so I think yeah. that's benefited the team as well.
2: What I really think is uh, Carlos's like biggest strength, maybe, is his adaptability. Okay. You could probably put him in any car on the grid, and he'd probably turn out. You know, if it, depending on, he'd turn out above what it was supposed to get. Yeah. If you put him in a Mercedes right now, he might be able to get
1: a podium, third place. A podium.
2: Yep. You know like uh, without you know how Hamilton got his this last weekend yeah so but I, I think he's really had to cement his driving style and he could drive almost any car now probably
1: yeah I I agree I mean you you see how easily he switched over from the Renault to the McLaren last year and you just saw that you know, are not for, drove from a Renault to a McLaren. I think I think everybody yeah. kind of saw that. Um so then that really leads us into our last and final topic, are Ferrari the team to beat? Do they are they a shoe-in for the championship or is there going to be a battle? What do you think?
2: I think right now they are they are a shoe-in. They are a shoe-in, but what I'm interested to see is can Mercedes fix their problems in time? To make it make it a, a show, you know what I mean? Make it a, a good fight.
1: Because they if they fix it ten races in, but Ferrari's won nine out of those ten races, it's going to be very hard. They're, they're pretty much screwed. Yeah.
2: Because no Ferrari is also updating their car within the budget constraints. I don't think Ferrari has a small enough It has such a small budget that they can't, you know, put some serious development on the car. Even they probably they have enough within the budget cap to make some serious developments to that car. So I think Red Bull needs to sort out their issues, their reliability issues. And once they do that, they're, they're up there. They were fighting for, Max was putting a good fight on uh, Charles, but I think, I think for Red Bull to, to, to make a serious challenge, they need to, they need to fix their reliability issues and they need to get Max under control. Because I think Max has too much of a chip on his shoulder right now to think clearly and listen to what the team has to say.
1: Yeah, and take advice. And that, you don't want him putting it. In the, kill that team. Yeah, you don't want him putting it in the barrier every weekend going for a race. He needs to be able to be okay with a with a second place finish and live to find another day, than rather finish without the points.
2: Yeah, then I guess take both him and the first place driver yeah. out. You don't, you don't you don't
1: You don't want Monza of 2021 every weekend.
2: Yeah.
1: And I get as you get down the wire that makes a little sense. I I I don't want to jinx Ferrari cuz I'm, you know, I'm a fanboy of course. Uh, Carlos Sainz is actually my favorite driver throughout the whole grid. But I think I would love to see a three horse race, man. I would love to just see Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari go at it every single weekend.
2: Yeah, I would love to see those three teams. No one know no one knows on Friday who's gonna get pole on Saturday. And whoever gets pole on Saturday, they may not even win the race. It's not guaranteed, you know?
1: Yeah and i think that's i think that's what the sport needs especially with this budget cap cuz that's what the budget cap was supposed to do is bring everybody closer and allow certain teams to compete with each other do i think the big teams are still probably going to be on top yeah cuz they've been doing it for fucking ever and they know how to do it they're a well-oiled machine but i think yep. i think it would bring the ability of those teams closer you know red bull back here years ago red bull and mercedes had a 350 million dollar budget versus haas's 132 million I think if you go back Sounds and look at, right. it, yeah, I think it may not bring the whole grid closer together, but I think it'll actually bring the top teams closer together. So we have a real fight on our hands.
2: I think that's what F one needs. Honestly, that'll that'll create some uh, some drama. It'll create it'll make the sport seem like it's not a pay to win sport. Yeah, whoever spends more money is. wins.
1: And it still is for a little bit because I'm sure every team knows how to hide it on the books, like certain development things, and you know. Yeah. Oh, our our factory, our main factory for road cars, developed this, and it just happened to work on our Formula One car. I, obviously, that's not how that's going to go. But still, um, who? What do you think is? What do you think is going to be your big shock of the season?
2: Um. Big shock. I don't know. I don't know. It, I I think I will be absolutely shocked if Mercedes doesn't get their problems problems fixed in a timely manner. Now, since we're not quite sure what you know, Red Bull's problems are. At the I don't I can't at the moment say that Red Bull's problems are going to be hard or easy. But Mercedes' problems, while not you know. It, not impossible, are very difficult to fix, but they have some of the best engineers in the world, and if they don't get them fixed, they said they wanted to get, you know, a solution rolled out by Imola. So, if they don't get it rolled out by then, I will be greatly surprised.
1: Yeah. So here, here's here's my big shock this season, and I think I'm gonna piss off a lot of people. George Russell will score more points than Lewis Hamilton, but Lewis Hamilton won more races. I remember you races. That. That's, gonna, that's my bold prediction. There's a high probability it's wrong, but I'm shooting. I'm shooting for the fucking moon and father. I'm not. I'm not going for the safe one. I think that's gonna be my big shot of the season.
2: Why do you think that though? I mean, Hamilton gets 25 of win race wins. So if he gets two, George Ham- George Russell has to get a a shit ton of points.
1: I'm not saying that. I, I, I even I, like. I, like I think. I think. Um, I think George. I think Lewis will win one or two races this year, but George will be more consistent kind of yeah. on the, you know, why he's not going to win the races. I don't think he's going to win a race this year, truthfully. But I think he's going to be on that step a little bit more frequently than Lewis. Because I think – yeah. Okay. I think okay. George has that chip on his shoulder of, yo, know, I'm fucking racing against Lewis Hamilton. I'm not Valtteri. I'm not a little bitch. Like, I, I'm here to win a champion. Like, to me, there's a bit more dog in Russell than there was Valtteri. And that's not taking anything away from Valtteri. I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that. No. But Valtteri wasn't a Mercedes driver for it. He hasn't – he's not close with Toto. I think there's a lot more Russell can do and Toto will let go, then Valtteri will. And I what think
2: if. I think Rus- Toto expects more from Russell. I think personally. he does too.
1: I think he uh, I think he appear he wants to have a Nico Hamilton again, and then Hamilton right off into the sunset with an eight championship, yeah. and just go see you later, guys. I'm out. And then it's Georgia's team, and it's clearly George's team. Rather than if that was to happen, let's say, let's say Valtteri, let's say Lewis wins the championship last year lewis probably retires realistically lewis probably retires yeah. after his eight championship because i think in lou Lew- in his mind hey i've got every fucking record that matters cool i'm out peace it's fun i'm gonna go enjoy my music career which he's actually quite talented as you know from this weekend yeah, you showed me that i was very surprised very surprising. but i think if that was the case it becomes a question they bring in george and then you have this yo who's the fuck team is it i think that's you really need to have a team leader, and there are some circumstances that work where you really don't have a team leader. Like I, I think in Ferrari, I don't think there is a number one or a number two driver. I think they, I think Ferrari, and especially, uh, Mattia knows how to balance that very well because he's as calm as he is, and as uh, he's seen it all before. He's seen the Michaels. He's raced with, you know, been with the fuck. He was there. I think it was nineteen ninety seven is when he. Got hired by Ferrari. So he's been with that organization for quite some time. He's been with Fernando. He's seen all these things unfold. So I think he knows how to manage the personalities like a Schumacher or a Fernando. And I don't think that's it. But I mean, McLaren, the number one driver is Lando. We all know Lando is yeah. Zach's boy and he got that big contract and Lando was the only consistent in that team. Aston Martin, now that against Milan, Lance's dad owning the team, but it's fucking Seb, a four-time world champion who yeah. has knows what it takes to win a championship and develop a team. I mean, you have... I think Williams is kind of the only one undecided. Um, but for me, I, I think Alpine, I think, recognizes as Esteban as the future, so they're going to put Esteban as the number one driver unless if Alonso just pulls something right out of his ass and is in the fight for a title championship, which I don't think Esteban's ready for. Um I mean, Mercedes Max is the clear number one cut driver. You mean Red Bull, Red Bull. Uh, Mercedes yes. Hamilton's the clear cut number one driver. Haas yeah. is maybe the only other one you know that's up for debate. Alpha Male Valtteri is the clear cut number one driver. It's a veteran who's won races versus a rookie, and then you have um, you have Alpha Tauri. We all fucking know Pierre's the number one driver in that. So there's no fucking debate yeah. if Yuki's the number one driver. I think maybe there's only two teams to me that might not have a number one driver, and that's Haas and Ferrari, because I just don't think Gunther Steiner gives a fuck. He just wants to score points.
0: Yeah,
2: um, he's, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, stop all this fucking fighting bullshit. I don't care. No one cares. Fuck off.
1: Yeah, and then Williams, I just don't think we. I just don't think there's enough time. I think most people would probably consider Alex as the number one driver at this point. I think he's kind of slid into the role that George had over Latifi. I think Latifi's yep. just there because he's like, "Oh, this is fucking cool. I can do this as a job." And cool. So, yep. we'll see. Alrighty, I think that's where we're gonna end the episode. Um, who do you have as your race prediction next next weekend? Anybody? I, I'm a. I don't know. It's hard to go
2: against Ferrari. I don't. I think Max. If they if Red Bull can solve their their reliability issues, I think Max. Might push that just a little bit more, feeling like he got robbed. But I'll, I'll, I'll go Max. I hate saying it, but I, I think, think I
1: Max. think this weekend I'm going to see my boy Carlos win his first race. You think so? I think so. I'm, I feel like I'm going to say that every week till he does. But I think uh just he, how he felt about last weekend, I think it's just going to propel him even more in Saudi Arabia. I I still think we have two Ferraris up on the podium. I think we have. Uh, Carlos first, uh, probably either a Red Bull or Mercedes second, and then Charles in third, or Charles. Yeah. So we'll go from there. All righty. Thank you guys so much for listening, and then we'll see you guys on the next episode. We plan to actually release these mostly on Mondays. We'll do them right after the race on Sundays. It's just this week was a very different week, and we still wanted to do this episode for you guys. So don't be afraid to stay tuned. And, of course, this is on uh, the KCM Media Network, so go check out some of our other shows